Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is March 1538. The dissolution of the monasteries initiated by King Henry VIII is well underway, and Cromwell needs to recruit some more help. Mr. Cromwell? Yes? I'm here about the job. Are you my next interviewee? For the liquidator position, yes. Positions? I'm sorry? Plural. I'm going to need more than one. Uh, Of course. In fact, at the rate we're going, I'm going to need about 50. Crikey! We have over 600 monastic communities in England to be visited. Wow, that many? I've been asked to organise two visitations. Two? One of all the churches, monasteries and clergy in the land, and the other of all the monasteries alone. Alone? Not me alone, for obvious reasons. Uh, Of course, sorry. I can't do the visitations personally. I appoint commissioners on my behalf. What kind of people are you looking for? I need people that are similar to my own character and background. So, unsympathetic lawyers? Exactly. You should know that you're not employed to deliver favourable reports. We're not? You'll be looking for abuses, corruption, immorality and superstitious practices. I see. Particularly sexual misconduct. Do you need experience of that, or...? No, that's not necessary, but I guess it could be useful. Read this. Commissioners have full power and authority to inquire, search and examine in the ways and by the methods and means which you consider best and most convenient. That's your warrant for entry, as it were. Warrant? Your permission from the Crown. Right. You need to carry that with you at all times. Why? Because you might get pushback, refusal of entry. They aren't the most welcoming, even before you've written the report. Can I ask, what happens if we write a negative report? What happens to the inhabitants? There are two options. They can either be moved to another religious house or given a pension. What if they just want to leave full stop? If they choose to leave the religious life, then obviously they don't get the pension. But surely there aren't enough spaces at other houses to accommodate everyone. That's true. Well, what happens then? Then the monks and nuns will find themselves destitute. Right. I can see why you're one of the most hated men in England now. What they conveniently forget is that I've also done some good here. Such as? I've ordered that a copy of the Bible in English and Latin should be made available in every church. How much is that going to cost? I've contributed £400 of my own money to ensure that 3,000 copies are printed. There'll be enough for every parish in the country. Crikey! God's word should be accessible to everyone that wants to hear it. But only if they can read English or Latin. That's not my problem. And the king is okay with that, is he? What do you mean? 
seems a bit of an overstep of authority to me. It's fine. If you say so. I've also decreed that every clergyman should keep a book where they must register every christening, wedding or burial in their parish. More paperwork. It's all about the paperwork. I'm a lawyer, don't forget. We get paid on a per-document basis. I forgot. Now, one of the key missions here is to attack all forms of idolatry. How do you mean? Statues, roods and images. You'll scour the country for relics, shrines and traces of the old religion. What will we do with them? Destroy them. All of them? Bring back to me some of the more notorious examples, so that I might show them to be fakes. Notorious? The famous Rood of Grace at Boxley Abbey in Kent, for example. Never heard of it. It's a miraculous talking crucifix. Ooh. Except it isn't. It's a puppet operated with old wire and rotten sticks. Oh, I see. You're dispelling the myth. And the biggest myth of them all is the Shrine of Thomas Beckett at Canterbury. They're not going to be happy about that. It gives them a lot of income in tourism. It's a big draw for Canterbury. I don't care. Fair enough. Fake relics are used to impress and intimidate people. They're dangerous. Dangerous? What do you think this is, for example? What does it look like to you? It looks like a vial of blood. Well done. They told everyone it was the blood of Christ. Turns out, it's the blood of a duck. Christ was a duck? I'm going to ignore that. This bottle here is said to contain Our Lady's milk. It's chalk. Terrible. That is terrible. Someone could have put it in their tea by mistake. Stories such as these, and they are stories, need to be well publicised. We need to pour scorn on the monasteries. To justify their dissolution? Exactly. Now you're getting it. And can I ask what happens to the land from the dissolved monasteries? It's sold off to the nobles as a way of securing their loyalty and generating more funds. I see. I thought that might be the case. Just out of interest, where do you live? Austin Friars, on Throgmorton Street. An old monastery? Seems ironic. Dates back to the 1260s, one of the largest private residences in London. Very nice. Had to do a lot of work on it, of course. We moved all the monks for a start, I expect. I moved my neighbour's boundaries back by 22 feet, so that I could have a bigger garden. Bet they loved you. And I put the house of Thomas Stowe, you know, the father of John the Antiquarian. Anyway, I put his house on rollers and moved it out of the way so I could build on the land. Bet John wrote about that in his book. Regardless, land is worth money. It's an asset to be exploited. Planning on raising a lot of income for the king, then? 376 houses will be suppressed in the first phase of the dissolution. Wow! The total amount raised from the sale of jewels, plate, lead and other valuables seized is estimated to be approximately £100,000. But that's about £32 million. The total annual income diverted to the Crown by owning these lands will be roughly 32000 That's another £10 million. Now you see why it's worth doing. Hang on. Did you say valuable seized? Yes. You're there to value their assets and write a report. And then? 
Once the report has been received by the Court of Augmentations, an order is issued for the dissolution of the house in question. Its riches will be diverted to the Crown. And then what happens? A receiver's appointed to strip the church of its treasures. Treasures? From the vestments and gold plate to the bells and pews. Even the lead from the roof will be stripped. But that just sounds like vandalism. It's not vandalism if we own it. We can do what we like with it. I suppose so. What's the matter? It's just that the role of monasteries isn't just about attending to spiritual needs, is it? Isn't it? Some are centres of learning and culture, educating and teaching people. Some provide medical care to the sick or the poor and destitute. They're employers to lots of people. They're also the largest landowners in the entire country. I'm sure. With property and estates exceeding those of the king himself. Look, I'm not arguing that they're not rich and powerful. Perhaps too much. Many people would agree with you there. Anne Boleyn agreed in the beginning, but we disagreed on what it should be spent on. She said charitable causes. I said no. And then she lost her head. Indeed. Look, let me tell you how I started. It might help. OK. One of my first jobs was as subsidy commissioner in Middlesex. And what does that involve? Calculating the value of people's lands and goods for taxation. Tax? Yes, but then Woolsey gave me another job. Tax collector? No, he asked me to survey six monasteries that were to be converted for the use of Cardinal's College at Oxford. And then what happened? I did such a good job that he asked me to work on the dissolution of a further 30 smaller religious houses. What for? To fund the beautification of the college and the foundation of Woolsey's Grammar School in Ipswich. So this is common practice then? Diverting the revenue from religious houses to building projects is common, but it had just never been attempted on a larger scale. What did you have to do? As well as surveying and estimating the value of the property, I would have to make careful inventories of their assets. And? Then I would strip them of their furnishings and movable items before selling or leasing the lands. Was there any way out? Could they appeal against the decision? If the monastery was rich enough to, let's say, <clears throat> give me a payment, then it might escape suppression. You mean a bribe? I mean a gift. Potato, potato. Many realised that in order to secure Wolsey's good graces, they first had to secure mine. I bet they did. I became a very well-respected lawyer, being linked to Wolsey. Had a very successful private practice. Didn't go well for Wolsey, though, did it? In the end, I mean. I'd stood by him throughout, but he was so obstinate. I even incorporated his coat of arms into my own to show my loyalty. But I knew his cards were marked. Pity you didn't tell him that. I knew that if I was to succeed where my master failed, I had to help Henry achieve his divorce. I had to become indispensable. So once the divorce was completed, you had to find some other use? Exactly. Lawyers had found a loophole that enabled Henry to transfer monastic estates to the crown. Where did you come in? As I'd been responsible for the original conveyancing, I was the natural choice to oversee the process. 
And so, here we are. Yes, here we are. Still. What's the matter now? I'm not sure if I'd be happy working for someone so... demanding. What do you mean, demanding? I've heard a story about you bumping into a friar who was wearing his cowl. Oh, for heaven's sake! He was still wearing his cowl, even after his religious house had been suppressed. I said, will that cowl of yours be left off yet? You said if I hear by one o'clock that his apparel be not changed, then you'll be hanged immediately. Oh, that's ridiculous. Hanged immediately. I said hanged this afternoon. I'm not sure I've got the right personality to work for you, Mr Cromwell. I have over 400 members of staff, you know. They don't have a problem working for me. Perhaps they're more... pliable. You must be willing to work the same long hours as I do, dawn till dusk. Hmm. You'll also need a strong attention to detail and enormous capacity for hard work. Oh dear. I'm a shrewd judge of men. I have a gift for spotting talent, and I think you have great potential. Really? I mean, you're a bit too nice, but... Too nice? Yes, but I'm sure we can buff that out of you. Just spend a bit of time with Thomas Lee and John App Rice. Who are they? My most hated commissioners. They'll toughen you up. You'll need to be a fighter, not a lover. Why is that? Because one of my commissioners has already been murdered in a barbaric manner and I can't afford to lose any more. Did you say murdered? In a barbaric manner? It's one of the hazards of doing unpopular work, I'm afraid. What? Those monks can be vicious when cornered. Do you know karate by any chance? Next time, it's Anne of Cleves and the Brewer. Cheers! Mine's a pint. The Lost Text of History podcast is a Since 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttakesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Since79P and use the hashtag Lost Takes of History.